Welcome to the Toronto Real Estate Podcast as we bid adieu to 2023, a year packed with unexpected twists and turns. We turn the page to 2024, armed with insights and forecasts from those who know the streets of Toronto better than anyone else, the real deal real estate agents themselves. Join us as we dive into the heart of Toronto real estate trends with the top producers from Fox Marin, Jessica, Ian, Jerome, and Ruben. These are the voices of experience, the agents who have been in the trenches negotiating deals and experiencing firsthand the highs and lows of this market. In this podcast, we're not just scratching the surface, we're getting the real scoop, the kind of insider information that truly makes a difference. From the most challenging aspects of 2023 to the surprising trends that caught even the experts off guard, our team will share their personal victories and the insights they have gleaned. Looking ahead, we'll explore the predictions for the Toronto real estate market in 2024. Where do they see the next up-and-coming neighborhoods? And crucially, what advice do they have for buyers, sellers, and new agents stepping into 2024 market? Please don't forget to subscribe, like, and comment. Your feedback and support is greatly appreciated. My name is Corey Marin. I'm a broker and co-founder of Fox Marin. And beside me is my partner in crime, Mr. Ralph Fox, broker of record, and also the co-founder of Fox Marin. We're so proud of this team of great agents and looking forward to sharing their valuable insights, learnings, and ideas with you. Let's get into the show. And uh, we are so excited to have uh, Jerome here today. Jerome is one of our uh, integral members of the Fox Marin team. He is uh, extremely knowledgeable when it comes to the market and market analytics, coming from a strong background in uh, commercial real estate. Uh, we are so happy to have uh, Jerome here and ready to dive into what Jerome sees and predicts for 2024. I mean, 2023 has been an incredible year. Uh, ups, downs, highs, lows, a lot of hard conversations with a lot of difficult scenarios. But we're really excited to have that now behind us and looking forward to perhaps greener pastures upcoming this year. And uh, Jerome, we cannot wait to hear your thoughts on what is going to happen. So um, maybe I'll let Corey lead off with uh, with the first question. For sure. So Jerome, so excited to hear your perspective. So let's kickstart here. Let's look at the past for a moment. What was the most challenging part of 2023 for you in this business? Well, I mean, lots of challenges in general, but top of the list this past year, our daughter was born, our second uh, child, our daughter was born on June 15th and come home from the hospital. I had a lot of things going on at the time. I think I was looking for kind of three or four active uh, active searches with clients at the time. And within the first month of our daughter being born, uh, helped buy two houses for clients and helped sold uh, sell two houses for clients. And that was kind of in the midst of two hour you know, nights of sleep and trying to be as present as possible at home. And when you have children, you really try and compartmentalize work and the stress and, and anxiety and everything that comes with transacting in real estate. So when you, when you go home and you're with your kids, you can be as present as possible, uh, possible. And that one month period was just just an absolute grind of uh, trying to achieve those two things, do a really good job for clients and, and be present and, and home with the family and supporting my wife and kids as much as possible. Oh my gosh, I can't even imagine. I must have said at least a hundred times to Ralph, I don't know how anyone is in this business with kids. I've said that mm -hmm. so many times because 
just within itself is just a lot to carry, a lot of stress. You have to be present for your people. As you just said, there is no nine to five. The clock never turns off. You're constantly on and you have to respond to things in real time in the moment. So kudos to you for managing all that and to work with two hours of sleep. I would never function. And Ralph knows if I don't have my full seven to eight hours of sleep, I'm like, I don't feel bang on today. He's like, Corey, I think you only slept for 6.75 hours versus your full eight of perfection. So I have mad respect for you and your wife for managing what you do. So great job. Some of those calls that we had uh, in June, you were so sleep deprived. I was just uh, exhausted talking to you. So uh, amazing that you were able to make it through that time period. And I know uh, firsthand how well your clients were able to do throughout. So that is a huge testament for you and definitely just a, a great challenge that you overcame and we all got to witness firsthand. So um, now that you've got a full house, a little more stable over there, perhaps uh, next year will be a little easier. So going back to 2023 again, what would you say would be the most surprising events or trends that you saw uh, in the year? I'm going to say most people that are knowledgeable in real estate will probably have the same answer here. So hopefully I'm not repeating what everyone else is saying, but the huge run up in prices between January and April was, I think, caught pretty much everybody off guard. Average prices in Toronto proper, I think, popped just over 20% from January to April in a high interest rate environment like we had been in. I think there was some uh, recognition by the market and a lot of buyers, first time home buyers in particular, feeling like there was probably not gonna be any more interest rate hikes and this might be a good opportunity to finally jump into the market. And uh, we went from crickets at the end of 2022 to bid dates, you know, bully offers. You know, I was in many situations where there was over 10 bids on properties. And uh, for a lot of people that I was looking for, it felt as though what they hoped to end up buying was just going to kind of slip out of grasp. Um, and then we had the two surprise interest rate hikes in uh, June and July that kind of snapped every everything back into line with uh a little fear of, of cost of borrow continuing to rise. But that run-up was, I think, surprising to me, but I know it's surprising to most of the industry. What I think was the biggest surprise in that time frame is everyone thought in 2022 that there'd be a ton of inventory coming to market as a result of the run-up of interest rates the year prior. And it was the exact opposite. Everyone just hunkered down, and there was very few listings coming to market, either low-rise or in houses. And so that, in conjunction with buyers coming off the sidelines, I mean, we were just starved for inventory. It was just, you know, something popped up and it was like 500 people trying to jump on top of a -a (laughs) whack-a-mole. It was just such an unbelievable time. And it was something that nobody really expected because everyone was calling for a flood of inventory to come to market in the first half. And that flood never happened, uh, which I think really exacerbated market conditions until we had that supply. So, yeah, I think it was very interesting to watch all of that unfold. Uh, And it was a very interesting year for sure. And Jerome, do you have any specific wins you'd like to share about last year? Oh my goodness. I mean, uh, surviving, probably top in general. Uh, (laughs) You're not the only one. but I mean, 2023 is not quite done. I don't know when this uh, podcast is going to be out. (laughs) Um, Yeah, surviving. There's one client I worked in particular and, you know, every client there's, a deep story. And one of the beautiful parts about what we get to do is, you know, 
you look online at a listing and you just see the listing. When you're a real estate agent, you get exposure to you know what's underneath the surface, not just the iceberg on top of the water. And and it's always stories of of families and individuals that have have life going on. And for a brief period of time, you're completely immersed. You kind of become part of people's families. And there's one particular client, they came in to us. I think they've been following us on social media. And uh, it's pretty easy follow Fox Marin. Instagram is fantastic. Anyway, they came in in February and let us know that they'd been living on a house in a house in Leslieville for, I think, about eight years. And their landlord had just given them notice that he was going to be moving back into the house in 90 days. So they basically needed to move in 90 days. And this was kind of the right moment in time with careers and life for them to actually enter the, the housing market and purchase a home. So um, the task at hand was with two lovely young children that were in school. They didn't want to leave the neighborhood. They ideally wanted to stay as close to their current house as possible in Leslieville. And they didn't have much time. And their budget was pretty constrained for uh, for the area. They, they could afford just over a million dollars for a house. And this was right at the time in February when we started to see this run up where there was not a lot of inventory, tons of buyers kind of on top of everything. Long story short, we put an offer in uh, somewhere a little further east than they wanted. We thought we had a shot at it. Ended up losing out. We were just capped with our budget and um, found a place um, it wasn't like a quiet residential street, but it checked everything else. Two parking spots at the back on a laneway, a uh, fully turnkey house. It had been renovated about eight years ago, but it was still in great condition. Uh, way more space than basically anything else we were seeing. And this place was a block away from their current house. So they didn't have to, you know, if they got this place, they wouldn't have to move schools. They could basically walk their mattresses over if they wanted <laughs> And uh, we did a ton of due diligence on this house. It was in an area where there was questions around floodplain and likelihood of being able to get insurance uh, in the event of flooding. We had to do a deep dive on figuring out who the sellers were and kind of coming up with a strategic way to submit our offer. Anyway, long story short, bid date, we're one of six, uh, five or six offers, I believe. As far as I know, we didn't even end up offering the highest bid. But our closing date, which was super short, and the letter we wrote to the sellers really struck a chord. And literally with, you know, with uh, weeks to spare, um, they ended up buying this house and moved in 10 days before they got kicked out by their landlord. Didn't need to move schools, kind of got everything they wanted in their search in an incredibly short period of time, which is so rare. And that was a really visceral when it was everyone was so happy and the relief and it was just it was incredible so that was for sure i don't want to say for sure but that was one of the best wins of last year i love that story and i remember the property your clients were very lucky to work with you and it is very challenging to acquire a home in that area with that price point in a time crunch in a supply constrained environment so great job with that and they're only going to see upside in the years to come. This is a question that we in our business get asked all the time. What is your favorite number one up and coming uh, neighborhood? Yeah, very subjective question and answer here. Yep. Some people would say, you know, some neighborhoods have already come up. But uh, the neighborhood I think that I'm most bullish on from an appreciation perspective, but just generally upside you know, value and lifestyle 
is uh, a little pocket in East York called Pape Village. So if you're familiar, Pape on the uh, western side, all the way over to Donlands on the eastern side, go up north to Cosburn, south to uh, Mortimer. It's not mm-hmm. a big pocket, but it's really interesting to me. You can still buy a, you know, a bungalow, a post-war era, like 1950s construction bungalow that's got two or three bedrooms for just over a million dollars. And these things are sitting on 30-foot wide lots. So long-term, either you renovate uh, one of those bungalows and you can do it up pretty nicely. You can tear it down and build uh, probably 2,500, almost 3,000 square feet on those lots. And the big kicker here is that uh, when the Ontario line is actually constructed, which could be five years, it could be 10, it could be 25 years. <laughs> but when that thing is built, these houses are going to be, you're going to be a five minute walk to the uh, Pape and Cosburn subway station, which will get you door to door to downtown like King and Young in 20, 25 minutes, which is uh pretty insane. And I won't go as far to say that I see that pocket becoming the, you know, the lee side of of the east end here, but very similar lot sizes and long term the transit access is just going to be it's going to be fantastic. So I think it's a pocket that's overlooked as you know, an older neighborhood, a lot of uh, you know, 60, 70, 80 year old uh, people have been there for a long time. Um, but that pocket don't sleep on that thing. It's gonna it's gonna do so well long term. So if uh, if I could be buying something up there right now, I'd I'd be looking into it just from a just from a value perspective. I could not agree more. So first of all, I knew you're gonna pick the East End. Then I knew you're gonna pick East York. But that little pocket, I totally 100% agree. And I think it should be on everybody's radar. And I think I wonder if there'll be any of the other agents on the team that will predict that same pocket. But I'm behind you on that one. And I think that's an exceptional choice. Ralph, do you agree? Uh, The reason why I think it's an exceptional choice is you never hear anybody talking about that pocket ever, 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 ever. And I think it's overlooked. And I think there's a tremendous amount of value. And uh, as per the uh, apprenticeship of Daddy Kravitz, buy land, buy land. And it's an area to get a lot of land and value with these solid structures uh, in Toronto, Toronto proper. So um, yeah, 100%. And when will that LRT be built? That is the question that we all can definitely <laughs> not answer today. It's not a flip. It's not a flip. It's a long no. time. No. This is the meat and potatoes yeah. of our, our segment here. So what is your prediction for the 2024 Toronto real estate market? How do you see things unfolding next year? Average appreciation in Toronto proper has been 6.8% since 1977. Annual Uh, average price increases. I think that we are going to surpass that average annual increase for 2024. I think by the end of 2024, average prices will be up 10% roughly. Um, Freehold leading the way um, in that market. There's a whole, you know, diatribe I could go on as to why I think that that's the case. I think Top top three top three reasons. Top three. Okay, first time buyer pool, like the net new buyers into the market, people are not needing to sell real estate, have a absolute war chest of cash still from the bank of mom and dad. The second, third generation, you know, long term Canadians whose parents have enjoyed watching their property values go up uh, an extraordinary amount since they bought in the eighties and nineties 
are now passing, transferring that wealth on to their kids. And they're doing it not after they pass away, but to help them get into the housing market. And so even if we don't see incomes continuing to keep up with average real estate prices, that bank of mom and dad is just continuing to finance first-time home buyers. And I don't see that slowing down anytime, anytime soon, particularly with how the stock market's done in the last last uh, 12 months. Uh, the next is, you know, even though the point system for immigration coming into Canada uh, has no weight towards your wealth coming in here. I was just chatting with a nice Scottish couple this weekend at a, a Christmas party, and they were explaining that you know, frustrating time going through the uh, immigration process to get PR here. Their wealth, the money they're bringing over has no impact on them getting PR faster. It has to do with education and work experience and you know, speaking French and English is, is beneficial. But a lot of the immigrants that are coming here and 50% of them are millennials, which are in their prime home buying years, they're showing up with money. Like we work with these people all the time. They're not showing up here and working an hourly wage job. Most of these people are coming here working for Amazon, Google, RBC, and they're coming over with a couple hundred grand that if they play their cards right, they'll be able to get into the re- into the real estate market. And so those two things, bank mom and dad for you know uh, long-term Canadians and, and uh, the immigrant population coming in, they are just going to steamroll through this market in 2024 as interest rates come down and demand, demand really rips back. So I think 10%, I do think condos will be a little softer. We've got a surplus. We're going to have a surplus, in my opinion, of condos going on the market, uh, being sold by investors who have kind of ended up in a really tricky spot. Um, investors that have bought their fourth or fifth pre-construction unit. And times have been good for about a decade, but having paid $1,600, 1700 a foot uh, three years ago for a condo they're getting the keys for in 2024, which is on the street valued at maybe 1450 maybe 1500 a foot oh, that's, um, that's generous very very generous like that's that i think it's not a huge section of the condo market but that will have an impact on inventory and i think we're just going to see the delta between uh freehold and condo get get wider in 2024 so let's call it freehold up 12 percent condos up seven percent with the aggregate being ten percent increase in average prices number of transactions 2021 best year ever there was 120,000. this year big story worst year since 2001 we're probably going to end up around between 65 to 68,000. what's the volume going to look like because that will affect a lot of things in conjunction with pricing there's a couple things to it people move people sell their homes at the end of their mortgage renewal cycles and i think about 15 percent of mortgages in canada are renewing so that's one swath you have uh, lifestyle changes and i think when you have an economy either ripping oh ripping up which i think could very well happen in the new year as interest rates go down and everybody um gets a little more bullish on spending generally people make big moves and big decisions so i think we're actually going to see above average uh transaction volume in the coming year so what's average over the last decade like a ninety-five thousand. yeah 95 yeah so let's go ninety-six thousand transactions next year okay what challenges and opportunities do you anticipate for the market in 2024 I think challenges is that for buyers, there's going to be a lot of buyers caught off guard with how quickly things start ripping at the beginning of the year who said, I wanted to buy in the next year or two. 
And then all of a sudden they see average prices just shooting up and demand ripping through the market. And it's kind of, I don't want to say it's too late, but you want to have your mortgage pre-approval. You want to understand what your financial situation is going to be. If you've got um, GICs that are locked in for 12 months and you can't access them, that's a problem. And planning ahead, getting your personal finances in order before you actually start doing a real estate search is so important. And I think a lot of people are going to be caught flat-footed here that wanted to enter the uh, the market as first-time homebuyers. I think there's also going to be a lot of relieved sellers who have felt the pressure of uh, interest rate hikes, particularly if they're on a variable, uh, they've seen their their monthly payments go up, or they're seeing their amortization get stretched out to like 40 or 50 years and kind of getting nervous about that. With demand returning to the market, I think a lot of the anxiety that those uh, homeowners have, and I'm going to say investors is probably the tip of the spear for that category, they're going to feel a bit of a sense of relief knowing that you know the sky's not falling and, and the market's not uh, not crashing. So I'm bullish overall in general for 2024. I see a lot of good things happening. And Jerome, if you could give one tip to a buyer and one tip to a seller going into 2024, and you just addressed one, which I thought was excellent. Is there anything else you'd like to add to that? If you go on social media or you listen to any expert about the market, what everybody talks about is what's happening in the market. Is it a good time? Is it a good time to buy? Is it a good time to sell? And like at the end of the day, it really there are objective, objectively good times to buy when you've got uh, you know six months of inventory for condos and that hasn't happened in twenty years. Objectively, yes, there's more leverage in buyers' hands than there has been for a long time. However, your personal circumstances trump everything. If you're going to be moving away from Toronto in in two years and you really don't want to be a landlord. You shouldn't be buying a. You shouldn't be buying a home. You got to have a, a long term plan with it. If you know, if you're going to be changing careers and leaving your your job in finance to go st- uh, start a, a tech startup, and all your capital is going to be going into that, and you need to eat ramen noodles. You probably shouldn't be stretching yourself by buying a piece of real estate that's going to over leverage yourself. So, personal circumstances, I don't think get talked enough in the conversation around what's happening in the in the real estate market. And so if your personal circumstances make sense for you to be buying a property, for example, then yes, right now is a really good time to be buying a property. But if they don't, it doesn't matter. Um, you got to get that sorted out before thinking about buying, buying real estate. And then on the selling side, just choose a good agent, please. Like I've been through so many properties this year where even in a down market, like when it's hard to sell a home, it's just appalling how some properties are marketed. And it's shocking to me that the quality of service that's provided by some uh, some of some agents in the industry and and accepted by some sellers in the market is just like it's it's wild. It's wild. Selling a million dollar piece of property, which is somebody's livelihood, should be taken really seriously. And I recommend like somebody selling a house, interview two or three agents. Don't just hire somebody you know. And like it is not, it's not a simple thing to sell real estate. You can't just put a listing up, take iPhone pictures. You got to hire people that know what they're doing. I'm a little biased here, but we're really, really good at this. And when we're so good at it, and you go and see other properties that are staged or quote unquote staged, it just 
like it's it's terrible. It's like we're in a different league and different industry than some of these other uh, brokerages and agents. And so to me, it just feels like sellers get taken advantage of sometimes. And all they see is, oh, I'm going to, all I have to pay is a 1% fee for this person to list my property. And in the end, they end up losing out on the opportunity to sell their house at the right time or to get the the highest and best price for it. So um, that's uh, that. That's not a 2024 prediction. That's an, you know, that's an evergreen statement, but it's never been more important. No question. That's an awesome answer. And Jerome, uh, this is our second last question. If you could provide a new agent with a piece of advice uh, about being in the business in 2024, what would you tell them? When I I first got in the business here in, in residential real estate two years ago, and all the Googling and research I was doing about how to be a good agent 98% 98% of the content was how to find clients. And that is, yes, that's part of the business. You need to have clients in order to build a career in this industry. But if you focus on your technical skills and knowledge of the market and ultimately all the tools in your tool belt that you can pull out and assist your clients with, if you do a really good job, the business takes care of itself. So instead of saying, I want to make $200,000 in year one of of my career in real estate, think about like how you want to do a really good job and what feedback you want to get from your clients and, and break that down into a science. And if you just decide to grow slowly in this industry and do things the right way and build a strong foundation for your business, you're going to be way more successful long term than just trying to get you know, quick growth and knock on every single door and beg, borrow and steal from your friends to try and get business. Focus on how to do a good job first. The business will take care of itself in the long term. That is such a big mantra on our team. You take care of your people, the business will take care of you. Uh, And it's like the truest thing. Like when I first got in the business, I was so excited when there were resources either learning through ARIA or at the time who was running the continuing edu- or the education or whatever uh, trainers or consultants were out there. And I was always like, okay, great. I can't wait to learn about the market. I can't wait to learn about how to negotiate properly in this business. I can't wait to learn. They don't teach any of that and you can't find any of that out there. And I literally had to go out on my own and become an expert in the market and in the fundamentals driving the market. And at the time, you couldn't go on YouTube or Twitter. None of that was really available. So it was just a deep dive in trying to figure it all out because nobody was giving you that information and nobody was really teaching you how to do the job well. And so focusing on that and learning that aspect first, it's the path uh, you know less traveled uh, because it's the most difficult path. But long-term, it's certainly the one that pays off the most for sure. I'd love to round this up with you, Jerome. Your ideas and predictions and forecasts have been amazing. What are you personally looking forward to next year in 2024? Uh, warm weather. I, I hate the cold. I know yes. it happens every year at some point. I know. It's amazing how that happens. <laughs> Desperately miss it. I miss playing golf. Uh, I miss everything about summer. I'm really excited to, I, I'm just, I'm, I'm really grateful to be part of the Fox Marin team because I kind of run my own business with inside Fox Marin, but we're on a team and we talk to each other all the time, watching the exciting things that have happened in 2023, particularly around the podcast and watching all of our team members kind of level up in a really challenging year, objectively for real estate. Uh, it's been really inspiring. And so 
I think that hard work and the foundation that Fox Marin's built is going to be just, it's going to be exciting to watch what happens when things really pick up uh, in 2024, which I believe they will. So um, being, you know, on this rocket ship of, of Fox Marin and kind of leading the way of delivering the best service you can get in real estate in one of the most exciting real estate markets in the world to be in is kind of like, you know, riding shotgun and on the Concord jet. Like it's, it's an exciting, it's an exciting position to be in. So outside of like personally what's going on in my life, being part of what's happening with Fox Marin is just so exciting. And that's what I'm looking forward to most for next year. I love that. I love how this year, and I've said this to Ralph too, has made me a better agent because it has been such a challenging year and never have I been like, what can we do to improve? How can we make this listing better? How can I service the client more? What can I communicate better? I've never been more transparent and communicative and on top of things. And so like, okay with the difficult conversations and they have been very challenging some of them and just been like it is what it is but we are going to see you through this no matter what and we have found a way to win every single time and so I love that we all have leveled up just as you said and I think it has made us all better at what we do and it will make 2024 more effortless and it will help us be all those other amazing things more creative and innovative and inventive because we'll put some of this dirty work behind us uh, which has helped us become better at what we do so that's a great answer Ralph do you want to add anything to that? Yeah, like, you know, at the beginning of the year on our board in the kitchen, we have this big whiteboard. I put strong markets make weak agents. And it's so the true. absolute truest thing. And tough markets make great agents. And um, whether you like it or not, it's sink or swim in this type of environment. And it really forced a lot of us who've been in the business for a long time and thought, They'd seen a lot and done a lot to realize there's so much more to do and there's so much more to learn. And it goes back to the old adage, if you're not growing, you're dying. And nobody on this team wants to do anything other than thrive and do it in conjunction with each other. And so it's been a really interesting year. Uh, I don't think there are many businesses uh, in our industry that could say that they were up over last year, but we were able to do that. And I think that that is a testament to everybody's hard work and dedication uh, throughout the year. And uh, I'm so looking forward to next year. I think there'll be a little reprieve from the outside world, from the economy, from interest rates, from everything else. And uh, I'm looking forward to uh, maybe a little bit more time off too would be nice. What do you think, Cor? Mm, I don't even know what that means. Can I, can I have Can I have like a couple hours on a Sunday? <laughs> please? We'll see. All right. We'll see. All right. Well, Jerome, thank you so much for your time today. I'm sure our audience really appreciates your insights and I'm looking forward to speaking with everyone else and we'll see uh, how everyone compares in terms of some of their predictions for next year. So thank you for your time and uh, we'll see on the other side. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for having me, guys. Hey, thanks, Jerome. This is really exciting. We have none other in the house than VP Sales, Mr. Ian. Busher. Thank you very How much, you guys. Today, Ian? Thanks for having me. Ian, we are so excited to have you here and uh, get your thoughts on 2023, the year there was, that was, and 2024 looking forward. Mm-hmm. And uh, Ian, you have been with us literally since day one. Uh, you're an integral member and part of the Fox Marin family and founding member. And uh, a lot of people don't know this about you, but you are also a former Red Seal carpenter and licensed contractor, mm-hmm. which makes you highly, highly valuable to any 
uh, buyer client looking to purchase a property or even sell a property, there's no doubt that you know your way around a home. So we're, we're glad to have you here. And uh, we're really glad to have your thoughts on, on 2023 and looking forward to 2024. Thanks, guys. And uh, thanks for that really nice introduction. I think congratulations are due for for the two of you for 2023 and this podcast coming out and slowly building momentum. And uh, it's it's just been growing and growing and it's been amazing. And it's been amazing to be a part of it with you. So thank you for that, too. Well, let's get into some questions. What was the most challenging part of 2023 for you? I think the most challenging part of this year was managing client expectations. It didn't matter if you were a buyer or a seller coming around to what the market was doing and how it was going to treat you was definitely something that took a lot more time than it had in previous years. Yeah, I don't disagree. And it was so hard to coach people for that reason because we really couldn't really predict the future and we didn't have that crystal ball that we all wish that we had in this market. And it Mm -hmm. was just like, I actually don't know what your place is going to sell for. And I actually don't know what you should probably offer on this. And I don't know if there's going to be multiple offers. Like I just actually really don't know. So you're going to have to work with me here. And it's never been more collaborative with clients than this year in terms of having those real deal discussions and so many known unknowns. I probably can't count the number of times that I've said to people, it's it's both buyers and sellers. It's you and us or, or us and you against the market. It's the market that we're that we're up against here. So, you know, the more that we work together, the quicker, faster, easier we can get through this. Uh, But let's not get at each other's throats because of what the market is doing. Let's cooperate on this and we can get it done. I think a big theme of of the year that was 2023 was tough conversations. There was a lot of tough conversations. It was something that we'd be talking about on our team. You know, being in the service industry, generally, you have the mentality that you always want to please your clients and you always want them to be happy. Mm-hmm. And sometimes there are so many outside circumstances that are causing people not to be happy that are beyond everybody's control. And there's this natural tendency not to want to have the tough conversations, to put them off. But it's more important than ever in uh, a business, in an industry, in a market like the one that we're operating in to always get in front And as long as they're factual based on what is happening and potential solutions and constructive, uh, they'll always have a good result in 99% of the time. But Mm -hmm. just they're not the typical type of conversations we normally have with with clients in Toronto real estate. It's a a very interesting paradigm because the um, market is so extreme and there's been so many changes within the market that we're constantly having to adjust. And like you were saying, there are no certainties and so um, trying to figure out how to navigate that with a client can be really challenging because sometimes things will happen that just won't meet their expectations that are beyond everybody's control. So how do you deal with that? You get in front of it, you communicate directly with your clients, and you constructively problem solve together. And this is something typically you don't see in Toronto real estate. Mm-hmm. I would love that you kept saying, get in front of it. I think that could be one of our mantras for the year too, right? Yeah. All of these things just kept happening. We were doing great business, but you had to keep getting in front of it. And I think we probably did three to five times the amount of talking to get that good business done. Exactly. And we, and we talk a lot. And we talk a lot. We do a lot of talking. Some lot more than others. Yeah, a lot of doing, <laughs> but a lot of talking. <laughs> so what was the most surprising trend or events in 2023 for you, Ian? Despite all of the negativity, there was 
no fire sales. There were no, there really were almost no deals to be had. So the surprising trend was the, um, the strength of the Toronto real estate market, despite buyers wanting deals and thinking that uh, sellers were going to be over a barrel. And it just did not happen. That's a really good point. And it totally did not happen. There were no fire mm-hmm. sales. I mean, mm-hmm. there was opportunity, but things were not undercut significantly at all. Even in the condo market that had the most amount of inventory and was likely the most affected out of all of the asset classes in downtown and central Toronto, for sure. So I totally agree with that. It's interesting because last year at this time, people were saying 2023, there would be an Armageddon with waves and waves of properties coming to the market and absolutely no buyer demand. And where was this all going to end in? You know, it was going to be the Toronto real estate apocalypse. You know, that, mm-hmm. that apocalypse never happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So ha- have the, has it been a slowdown? Yes. Has there been a softness? Yes. Have there been times where people got good value for what they bought? and had the time to do their due diligence? Absolutely. But this, there was no Armageddon in 2023. I mean, I should knock on wood because there's another Two weeks. few days left in the, in the year. <laughs> but uh, so far, so good. Yeah, yeah, it's true. And what do you see as being your biggest win of 2023? Any little anecdotes you'd like to share or client story about this past year? Ralph and I were talking about this earlier today. I mean, from a personal level, I've got two two deals that were just out of this world, amazing, lucky, went so smoothly. It was just a pleasure. And a lot of them are a pleasure, but it's a typical route to get there. But uh, I recently sold a property and had seven offers and sold for hundreds of thousands over asking. And that felt like 2020, 2021. The good old days. kind of thing. (laughs) Exactly. It was not the kind of situation you find yourself in in late 2023. So that felt like a huge win. And uh, it was really nice for that seller. And then we talked about another deal we did earlier in the year where we had a conversation with um, this couple. And it was one of those difficult conversations we were just talking about and saying, I don't think we can do this for you this year. I think it's shifted and it's gotten out of reach for you. And then, as you may remember, within a week or two, there was one, one little chance. And we swept in there and got really aggressive and did it. And they took a chance and they put themselves out there, bought this property before selling based on the knowledge that their sale might not go as well as they wanted it to, but it did. And uh, Ralph, you said they threaded the needle and that is exactly perfect is they just found that one opportunity, grabbed it, took their house, sold it, did very well. And it was, all of us were like, Woo. And you know which one I'm talking about, right? I Corey, totally without having to name names. Totally yeah. do. It took me a second and I'm like, oh, I know exactly what you're talking about. And the best thing about that story, the nicest people. The nicest people. Yeah. And those those are the ones that, that are just a pleasure to deal with is the people who are appreciative, receptive. And when you just get those great wins for them, it's a, it makes this a pleasure. One million percent. I love mm-hmm. that story. What are you betting to be the next up and coming Toronto neighborhood, Ian Busher. I've been saying this for a little while. I'm still waiting for it to take off. Okay. But I feel like with the announcement that it looks like the LRT will be up and running in the <laughs> second half of 2024, yes. I feel like Eglinton West of Dufferin I know. is yes. maybe going to pick up a little bit for first-time buyers who are selling a condo and want a house, or maybe not selling a condo but looking for that first-time house. There's tremendous value in there, and they now will be connected better than they were before, provided that that happens. And same for 
I'm noticing it already starting to happen. Uh, St. Clair, west of Dufferin, maybe even west of Caledonia, both north and south of St. Clair between Caledonia and Old Weston Road. Kind of like near the stockyards, but not quite that. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that little pocket. And didn't you just do a transaction there? I did. Mm. Yeah. Found a detached house for a lovely couple who had just sold a condo. It's exactly that story I just said. And you got it for like a million on the nose, I think. Yes. Amazing. Okay. I I have to agree with those neighborhoods as well, but I also like Jerome's prediction. So you're going to have to wait. What did he say? I'm going to wait. You're going to have to tune in. Yeah. God. You guys. But I totally agree about Eglinton. Like, we've been saying this for at least. I don't know. Yeah. Are we at five years now of predicting this neighborhood? Come yeah, on, yeah. people. Yeah, we used to do those little um, stories where we'd add 10 seconds each, yes. right? And that was my prediction back then. I think that was 2017. So still still waiting on it. Still hanging on. <laughs> I think it's a great prediction. Awesome. Okay, well, this is, the, this is the big prediction right here. This is the meat and potatoes. Toronto real estate market 2024. Ian, talk to me. Tell me what you're seeing. Pull out that crystal ball. In like a lamb, out like a lion. It's going to come on very slowly. It's going to be very soft and squishy to begin with. And it's going to pick up steam. And it's going to pick up steam. And it's going to pick up steam. And spring, the spring market is going to be big. And I think the fall market is going to be tremendous. And I think the beginning of 2025 is going to be on fire like 2020 or 2021. Okay. I think it's just, it's going to start at, at five kilometers an hour, and it's going to get a ticket by the end of the year for going 50 over. (laughs) Okay. And can you give me your top three reasons why you say that? I think, as much as we're predicting, I feel like buyer confidence just started to come back. Totally. Um, I think inventory is going to come down in the spring, and I think interest rates are going to start dropping off. And I think all of those things are just going to cause this to take off. Okay. It's not going to be fast, but I think... April, May will be a real indicator of whether or not I'm going to be right. I agree completely that it's going to be a slow start. But I agree in the last few weeks, like the last three weeks, things have just started to pick up. There's just a better positive vibe out there about the market and buyers are returning and things are Mm -hmm. moving and it's kind of feeling like fun again, which Mm -hmm. is awesome. So There's There's a certain narrative that's now becoming consensus in the public that rates are coming down and it's just a question of not if but when and by how much and i think a lot of people who were on the sidelines are sensing that Corey and i just refinanced the property and we got a variable mm-hmm. you know three mm-hmm. months ago everyone was talking about get a three-year fixed yeah so i think it really is an indication that we are at the end of this cycle whatever this is which is awesome news mm-hmm. And uh, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. But uh, I, th- I think for the most part, you're pretty much bang on. I'm glad to hear you guys agree. Totally. I'm so excited. It's interesting because the last few January, February marches have actually been extraordinarily busy. So it'll be interesting to see how the first three months play out. Because traditionally, they've been slow. But I would say over the last few years... In this pre-COVID world, we've had some pretty torrid January, February marches. So um, it'll be interesting to see how things respond. But definitely, there's a change in vibe and consensus, mm-hmm. both in the media and in conversations with buyers and sellers and clients and people looking to do things next year. So um, it'll definitely be a busier year and hopefully more uh, in line with uh, traditional 
Toronto real estate as we know and love it. And in addition to that for Fox Marin, I mean, our pipeline of sellers and buyers has never been this deep for this time of year. People like yep. ramping up for next year. 100%. So 100%. I, I mean, we're not the be all and end all, obviously, but like that's just an indication with our own ecosystem that we are like ready to go come 2024. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. very excited. Yeah. With, well, a, with a couple of days off, hopefully in between. Between Christmas yeah. and New Year's. Right, Corey? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay, Ian. So if you could give one tip to a buyer and one tip to a seller going into 2024, what would they be? Uh, my tip for sellers would be to hold off if you can. If you have the ability to not rush into this, wait and see where this is going and join the spring market if you can. Um, but also stay on top of things because if it does take off in mid-February, there's no point in waiting till spring. Mm-hmm. But wait and see. Is, is my advice for sellers, if you can. Okay. And but for buyers, it's the exact opposite. Do not wait and see. <laughs> if you can find, when this is the tough part, if you can find a property that you like, that you can afford, that you can get, do not hesitate. Yes, this By is your window. By the end of 2024, you'll be kicking yourself if you do. This is your window, buyers, right now. Yeah. All right, Ian, if you could give a new agent one piece of awesome kick-ass advice about this business heading into 2024, what would it be? I would say just know that it really does take three to five years really to establish yourself and have the experience to truly be an expert at this. So have patience and if at all possible, find yourself a mentor or a team to do those first few years with. That's what I would tell a new agent right now. This is not the kind of market where you can jump in and fly from from day one, I think learning from people who have got years and years of experience is is a wise place to go. Yes. If I, you're a new agent. I totally agree. So you need to have that mentor. You need to have people around you. You need to have a team. Going at it solo would be so brutal right now. I can't even imagine how brutal. I mean, it was brutal when we started going out solo, and that was a very different market versus now. So that would, and oh, so oversaturated right now as well. And what, mm-hmm. how do you feel about new agents doing rentals and leases as a, pl- a great place to start? Yeah, absolutely. Like cut your teeth on paperwork for something that is uh, more short-term, less money on the line, and get all that organized. And then you'll be ready to make the jump into the more serious multi-million dollar deals later on. Yeah, it just gets your feet wet. You get used to talking to agents, negotiating, paperwork. You see a lot of inventory. You get to know different buildings, concierges, different communities. Mm-hmm. You get to figure out the logistics of getting around the city, timing your showings. Yeah. Like it's just little things. Where do you park for that building? Exactly. Right? And where are the lock boxes? Yes. And leases now. I mean, so just for our viewers, if you are working with a rental client, the commission on a lease is half month's rent. So if you're renting at a property and it's $3,000 on behalf of your tenant clients, you're paid $1,500 minus everything, including taxes and any fees to the brokerage. But that's like not a bad commission mm-hmm. versus the commissions we were all paid on rentals when we first started. Like when I first started, like, you know, I do a one bed- bedroom rental and it was like 950 or $1,100. It was a yeah. lot less. So, you know, you can at least keep some money flowing and yeah. uh, a little bit of a paycheck coming in. So you're not having to depend on being a Uber driver or burger flipper on the side, for example. Yeah. Also, when you're a new agent, so you're taking half of the rental rate for the month, but then also when you're new, your fees tend to be higher 
to back to the brokerage. So you're not even just getting all of that. There's a big chunk of that that's going elsewhere because you're new and you know people are taking a chance on you. Yes. So there's also that. The other thing about leases that's very good, I'm glad you brought it up, Corey, is that there's a lot of agents who are really busy with their buyers and sellers that don't have time for it. So they're happy to hand those off to you to help you learn. Very happy and, to. And kind of clear up some bandwidth for them. Yeah, and there's not a lot of agents that are willing to do that. And mm-hmm. so and it's a great will, uh, way to build your pipeline and your client base, your confidence level. And then eventually mm-hmm. these renters do become buyers down the road. And I mean, we've talked about this on a former podcast, but some of my first rental clients are still my clients to this day. And they yes. have bought and sold with me multiple, multiple times. And I think my first rental lead has probably given me more business than anybody else in my entire network. And I'm so grateful for him. What are you most looking forward to in 2024? Um, other other than the Fox Marin Christmas party, which is uh, well, that's in twenty twenty three. Yeah, so <laughs> yeah, well, as a prelude, as a technicality. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think it's kind of tying into what we've already been discussing, but watching the buyer and seller confidence return is really what I'm looking forward to most. Oh, yeah. um, I can't wait. Having having buyers say, "This is what I want. Let's go." Having sellers say, "I'm ready to list this thing. Let's go," and and that confidence is infectious. So I think that will, you know, that that will feed us and make us more enthusiastic for 2024 when we're watching all of our clients oh be really gosh. enthusiastic yes. about doing things. Let's get it yes. right. Hook us if up I, with if the I fuel. may, ha- hearing people say "Let's go" yeah. again, right? LFG baby, LFG. Yes. Yeah, I love it. Well, thank you so much, Ian. Your insights and opinions mean so much to us, obviously, and our viewers as well that know you so well from the podcast. Thank you so much for all your predictions and reflections on 2023. It was so interesting Thanks, to hear what everybody else has to say. And then we'll catch up with notes after we all watch the podcast and we're like, what? What, what were you yeah. thinking? But I think pretty sure everyone's all aligned. <laughs> Let me just put it out there that at the end of 2024, we should watch this as a group and see who was right like as well. It. I love exactly. that. Okay. Yeah. Great, great, great to have you. And uh, always great to hear your thoughts on uh, on the market and where things are heading. Thank you so much for joining. Thanks, Guys, thanks so much. Bye. Speak to you soon. Good night. Okay, so now we have Ruben Labovitz uh, joining us, a member of the Fox Marin team, and he's been with us for now a, a number of years. And while he's only been in the business for three and a half years, he basically has been through 35 years worth of experience and seen so many different market conditions and done the volume and amount of business that most senior agents would uh, would do in a lifetime. So uh, Ruben, we're so happy to have you here. Always happy to get your perspective and eyes and opinions on what's happening in the market. And we look forward to talking about the year that was 2023 and what we're looking forward to going into 2024. So welcome, 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 Ruben. Thank you. Thank you. Good to be here. I love that you're here. And it's just so great to have your perspective because you work with a different age demographic. You're the youngest member on the team. So you always have a different insight and perspective, yet your soul is like of the wisest of wise. And so we just respect you so much for that too. And for those of you who don't know, Ruben is like our pseudo in-house lawyer as well. No one can read a status certificate in more detail than this gentleman right here. We're looking forward to your perspectives about looking back on 2023 and then predicting 2024, which is just around the corner. So Rubes, I'm going to start things off. What was the most challenging part of 2023 for you? 
For me, I think the most challenging part about the past year was what seemed like working two full-time jobs. One was working being a full-time real estate agent, which we all know is an around-the-clock thing. And the other one was planning a wedding. Oh, yes. and, right. and a lot of that was also around the clock. It was uh, early mornings, late nights, lots of phone calls, lots of site visits and, and calls with vendors. It's essentially like being a real estate agent uh, two times over. Yes. So definitely uh, I was kept busy both on the, on the work front and the home front. And it kept, uh, it kept the year interesting and, uh, and a bit challenging sometimes too. Do you feel like you have all this free time now and that the wedding, which was awesome, by the way, um, is behind you? Oh, absolutely. There's all, there were always a number of set hours of the day, whether it was, I don't know, calling vendors or, or again, visiting different venues and, and everything that needed to be done that hours of the day are now free to, uh, to do whatever we do. On a daily basis. So you basically, you just work more. Yeah. Yeah. Rubes, what were some of the most surprising trends or events or things that shook down in 2023 for you and your business? I think the biggest surprise or trend came in the first four or five months of the year, where despite interest rates remaining incredibly high, and obviously they rose after that, prices just kept on going and kept on going. Didn't really seem to matter what happened uh, through kind of April and May. And looking back and, and looking at where we are right now, I think that was kind of the biggest surprise of 2023 for me. Yeah, I completely concur with that. Ralph, do you want to add anything to that? No, it was, I think, I think that in the juxtaposition of what everyone was anticipating the first four or five months would look like, like it was literally the exact opposite of what everyone said would happen. And that's one of the things about the Toronto real estate market. It is so resilient that its resiliency is a predictability in the market. Like you can throw a pandemic at it. Uh, you can throw, you know, and the pandemic is important to understand because so much of our uh, uh, pricing growth or appreciation was supposedly because of foreign investment and because of immigration. Well, we took both those away and still you saw how the market performed. We're seeing how what the Armageddon would be if interest rates went up 500 basis points, literally in a span of a year. And we saw the resiliency of the market. We've seen what happened in 2017 with policy changes in 2008 with the subprime. Like whatever you throw at it, the fundamentals are just so strong that it just has this resiliency that just never, ever, ever really goes away. And we saw that again this year. So uh, what was your biggest win? I mean, we, you got married. So that was a pretty big win by all accounts on the yes. personal front. But um, what else would you say would be your biggest win of 2023 that really made the year for you? Yeah, I'm going to group this into a couple of wins. Um, because for me, my biggest wins are always my clients' biggest wins. And I think the best thing that happened to myself, my clients, my businesses here is that I had multiple clients purchase move-in ready freehold houses in the city of Toronto for under a million dollars. And I don't know. I don't think it's it's not going to be very long before that's just, you're not going to be able to get anything for a million dollars, let alone a freehold house. And so the move-in ready fact, the freehold fact, um, the location, there were multiple, the locations, and that I had multiple clients able to capitalize on that in the past 12 months, that's huge for me. 
And on a couple of them, you've had other agents calling you being like, how did you get those prices? Yeah. So even in a sluggish market, they were still pretty great buys that you were able to negotiate on behalf of your clients. And it, it's something that Corey and I have talked about is I think in you know three or four years from now, people will be telling the story how they bought something in 2023 mm-hmm. at, when the market, you know, when everyone was running for the hills. And, you know, in a few years from now, they will all be laughing. And almost already, when you start to think about it, it almost starts to become laughable. And I know exactly the the, the purchases that you're talking about, and you did such a great job. And anybody who can do that or still has the opportunity to do that should really, really be looking to emulate a purchase like that. Because that window, if it hasn't closed, it's about to close really fast. Yes. And I love when, so I write all, all of our copy and run our Instagram account. And whenever we have an an acquisition or a win for a client, we always like to do a post about it and celebrate it. And Ruben was sending in his notes to me about these particular properties. And there was multiples in a row, like one, two, three, four of them. And I almost like always know when Ruben sends me his notes on it and then the link to the MLS listing that I know it's going to be a great win. Almost every single time I write to you, I'm like, oh my God, what a win. And I'm like having a side message with you about how, oh my gosh, I can't believe you bought this house for this price. What a great win. I love this townhouse. I love this. So I don't always have that conversation with everyone, but I know when you send me your notes, I'm like, I know it's going to be a steal of a deal and it's going to look good too. So great job with those buyers. And there's that one particular property in Little Italy. I just love it so much. Yeah. Yeah. That was like, for me, watching you score that for those clients. I mean, oh my gosh, what a killer killer deal. So great job. So we've been asking everybody on the team. So very curious about Mm -hmm. what you have to say about this. What are you betting on as being the next up and coming neighborhood in central or downtown Toronto next year? I gave this question a lot of thought um, because I think there are so many different pockets of the city that, uh, that you could say. And ultimately, I've settled on my own neighborhood. I've settled on the Dufferin Grove, Bloordale, whatever you want to call this kind of no man's land area for a number of reasons and location being one of them. I mean, it's sandwiched. Can you, can you, talk, can you talk about the perimeter? Just yeah. So that our listeners yeah. Can it's kind of sandwiched in between your little Italy, Christie pits to your East. Um, you've got the Rontus Vales high park area to the West. You've got the junction right North of you and you're right on the Bloor subway line. And so the fact that there is still this kind of, underdeveloped and undervalued little pocket here that's so accessible. Um, I think it's going to be one of the hot neighborhoods in the years to come. And you're seeing so much amazing gentrification coming into the area as well. Plus you have the UP Express right there, Mm -hmm. which is amazing. I mean, I never had taken it to the airport before until recently. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this thing's a game changer. Why am I still taking an Uber and heading up to the 401 and inching my way to the airport when I can just take this bullet train all the way there? This is amazing. So you have that, and then you have all the infrastructure and all those cool restaurants and coffee shops and art galleries around Sterling, which is like, it's just so awesome in there. And it's walkable too. Like you can walk to High Park and you can walk to Christie Pitts and any neighborhood that has the feeling of neighborhood and the feeling that you can just hop out of your condo or your house and then go grab fruit or a coffee or grab dinner with friends on foot. I just love that. So I think that's a really interesting and awesome prediction. And I think that's a 
I'm sure you put a lot of thought into it. And I, I have to say that's a one I never personally thought of, but I think is great. And it's interesting because Corey and I have history rooted in that neighborhood where the building actually that you own and live in, Ruben, we sold for Aragon, uh, the developer, Enigma in the Park, back in 2015, 2006. There was just nothing. No, there was nothing. Out there. And we sold that was an 85-unit building. And we would have to explain to people the ups, the, the UPW hadn't even been built yet. Like it, there was no connection. We were just talking about this thing that was going to happen that was going to take people to the airport magically. Uh, and it didn't exist. So uh, just amazing. And now you drive, drive by your neighborhood and you see like Suco on the corner and there's a lineup. And But isn't there a right at St. Helens and Bloor development happening right at that yeah, corner? There are, big there are two 30-something yeah. story towers going up right yeah. there. Taking uh, the tearing down the Valley Village. Oh, yeah. That was and then prime. along that whole stretch to the west as well, there are a couple towers going up. So there's uh, going to be a lot of change over the next five, 10 years in this neighborhood. A lot of construction. Amazing, amazing. Okay, well, that was a great one. Uh, so far, all of the uh, all of the neighborhoods have been really interesting. Um, okay, so this is the real big question, the meat and potatoes of what we're talking about here today. 2024, the year yeah. that's coming up. Uh, what are your thoughts? What are your feelings? What are your predictions for the market? What do you think is going to happen? Uh, and how will you be advising clients? And what would you be looking for this upcoming year? So I think we've already started to see and kind of inch towards 2024 a little bit over the past few weeks, especially in the freehold kind of segment of the market. Condos, as we all know, tend to follow suit. But even in the past few weeks, I've seen nine and 12 offers on kind of what you would consider an entry-level home in desirable neighborhoods. And I would only expect that with a continuing cold right now and eventual decrease of interest rates going forward, that buyers' mentalities will shift and that the market is only going to surge. Do I know exactly when that's going to happen? No. But I think the best opportunities are going to come in the first few months of the year. And this time next year, we're going to be in a very different boat. Yeah. And so you're saying that by this time next year, the market will be appreciating or have appreciated? Yes. And by how much? Not putting you on the spot. Give me a range. I would, I would, I would, um, I purposely did not write down a number here, but I'll say about 10%. 10%. So above, above average. Yeah. We've okay. had we've had year over year to this point we're basically even or slightly slightly under so I think there's going to be a a pretty nice bounce back next year. And number of transactions we've been very very tight this year mm-hmm. like 20 year lows. Do you think we'll hit the average? Do you think we'll it'll accelerate? Like what do you feel? No, like- I I still think that it'll it will be below average. I don't think it'll be anywhere near where we are right now. The number of transactions there's just been almost zero quality inventory to look at and buy over the past handful of months. And so I think it would be tough to just automatically almost double that. But I would say somewhere between where we are right now, this 20-year low and, and the city average for the year. And Rubes, what's your uh, what's your opinion of the rental market as well? Like I know that we had a big run-up and it seems to be faltering over the last few months. Uh, can you just give us a, a high level what what you see occurring in the rental market and what do you think will happen uh, next year for all of our investor clients out there? Yeah, I think with the rental market, it's interesting because the last few months, I've started noticing 
that uh, that people are it's it's similar to COVID. People are strapped for cash, and people are moving back in, whether it be with more roommates or back in with their families, and so that has really caused the market to struggle from a from a landlord investor perspective, and it's caused rents to to drop pretty drastically month over month since September. Do I think that will continue? I don't. I know. I don't think rents will continue to drop as we approach the spring. Could it take a little bit longer to rebound? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But the rental market is very, very seasonal. And as soon as, as soon as the weather starts to warm, as soon as school ends, school starts, we're going to be right back where we were this past June, July, August when, when things were just absolutely nuts. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. What is one tip you would give to a buyer and one tip you would give to a seller moving into the new year, 2024? So tip I would give to a buyer, be ready, but be patient. Um, it's super important to know what you are doing and to have all of your homework done um, and have your financing in order and know what you're looking for, um, especially with inventory being, um, or I should say quality inventory being so low right now. You just have to kind of wait and see and be ready to act immediately when the right property comes online, but you can't do that if you're not prepared. Mm -hmm. Um, From a seller's perspective, I think if you can hold off, there's no need to do anything drastic over the first few months of the year, um, because I think we are going to be in a very different market in the late spring or early summer than we will be in the first three months of the year. Great tips. And it's so true about buyers. Like so much of that upfront homework takes a lot of time, getting pre-qualified, getting your paperwork together, figuring out your deposit, pulling money out of stocks and bonds. And it just takes a long time. And then you're like, I want this. But then you start looking at it and you're like, oh my gosh, I could never live here. I need to pivot and look at something else. And it there's just a lot of due diligence that feels a little bit messy and sticky for a while. And once you go through that period and then you're ready to pounce, that is the exact mm-hmm. position that you want to be in come like winter this year. And then you'll still have this window of opportunity where you might not be competing with five offers, 10 offers, 17 offers on a property. So I think that's great advice. And Rubes, if you could provide a new, a brand spanking new agent with one piece of advice about heading into the business in 2024, what would it be? I think this has to be two pieces of advice. Okay. Because the first one is just be ready to put your head down and work your ass off and kind of do whatever you need to do. But that's kind of a given. Um, it's not, not, it's not like a million dollar listing in New York. Eh, only Sold, sometimes. Done. $10 million. <laughs> <laughs> the second piece of advice is just surround yourself with agents who will help you grow. The reality is, is that if you are a brand new agent, chances are you're coming in with zero knowledge on how to actually transact in real estate. So it's just super, super, super important to find mentors, colleagues who are able to show you the ropes and, and willing to invest their own time in, with and for you. Yes. And it's so much more fun when you can share in the experiences with other people. Like it's a lonely business. And so when you can yeah. talk about things and shoot the shit and then come up with ideas and solutions and strategies or like vent or worry or whatever it might be, depending on your personality type, 
I think you really need to be around people. And I certainly know that I love that we have our group of people that we can always reach out to for a second opinion, a second set of eyes and be like, what do you think about this? Or am I crazy with this pricing? You know, there's, do you know this agent? Do you have a relationship with this person? Like it just makes such a big difference and it makes it way more fun when you can have those conversations with people who really get what you're going through. I always remember we we hired uh, Ruben or Ruben came to Fox Marin uh, right out of realtor school at Humber. <laughs> and I said to Ruben, I said, okay. I said, everything they taught you basically will have no impact on your ability to do your job. You may have some foundational Round, you know, roundabout knowledge, but you're going to have to start from scratch. And Ruben looked at me and he was like, okay, buddy. Yeah, whatever. And then, and then <laughs> six months later, Ruben was like, oh my gosh, they teach you nothing. And here we have Ruben <laughs> with a veteran playoff beard and the experience under his belt now that he could help and anyone who would be lucky who coming out of realtor school would be lucky to be working with Ruben and the luckiest. And, the luckiest. and um, uh, you know, Ruben now is passing that information on. So it just makes me smile to hear you say that because it's absolutely true. And it's, it's not about learning. It's about doing. So Rubes, 2024, what are you most personally looking forward to? I know we have the Fox Marin Christmas party, which is always awesome. Now that mm-hmm. is in 2023, not 2024, technically, as uh, Ian Busher reminded me of earlier. But putting that aside, uh, what are you really looking forward to next year, personally? Well, I, well, I hope I still don't have a uh, hangover in 2024 from that party. <laughs> but it is possible. It is. Yes. I think <laughs> it is. Honestly, I just think it's continuing to grow. And, uh, and expand the business and expand personally. And, and I always, I always want the next year to be bigger and better than the last one. So nothing, um, nothing specific other than just keep the, keep the wheels moving and, uh, continuing to go in the right direction. Well, I have a feeling that you're kicking some, kick some serious ass in 2024. So I'm looking forward to watching you do that very thing. And I know that that will happen. So, Looking forward to seeing all that and comparing everybody's predictions on 2024 and their top neighborhoods and what's going to happen with interest rates. And thank you for your reflections on 2023 as well. Rubes, it's just been so great to have you here. Ralph, do you have any closing thoughts? Yeah, Rubes, just awesome to have you here. Thank you for sharing. Uh, Pleasure to hear your thoughts and ideas so well articulated and your experience that goes behind them. It just is very meaningful. And we are very fortunate to have you part of our team. And I think anybody would be very fortunate to have you as their agent representing them. So thank you so much. I look forward to seeing you at the Christmas party uh, tomorrow night. Yeah, And um, thank you so much for, for joining us, Rubes. And we'll see you on the podcast in 2024. Thanks, Rubes. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Thanks. See you tomorrow. Bye. Jessica Rubash, we are so, so excited yeah. to have you here today. Uh, Jessica, you have been with us literally since day one. You started out as our assistant uh, to me and Corey. Uh, and head of business development for Fox Marin when we were a team of just three. (laughs) And uh, you've pretty much seen it all and been there with us through it all. And so you have a vast amount of experience from multiple levels and perspectives. Um, But now you have blossomed over the last few years into this incredible uh, real estate agent. Broker, uh, broker. Broker. Thank you so much for that. Uh, VP of sales for Fox Marin. 
and AKA the queen of acquisitions, uh, Jessica, without further ado, we're so glad to have you here and so excited to hear your ideas and thoughts uh, on the year to come, 2024, and the year that was 2023. Which we're still in. (laughs) Yes, but hopefully not for too much longer. Well, we're thrilled to have you here, Jess. I always love having a female perspective, an additional voice on the team. And obviously, you just get out there and no one is a bigger killer than you when it comes to acquiring properties in this city. So it's going to be great to get your perspective on the year that just passed, which was a wild freaking ride. And then your predictions for 2024. So we're going to jump right in. Pumped. So our first question to you is, what was uh, the most challenging part of 2023 for you? That is a great question. And I would have to say the most challenging part of the year was probably seeing so many buyers bet against the real estate market and turn their backs on great opportunities in fear that the markets would continue to decline. This past year, we saw far more palatable purchase prices and less competition And because potential purchasers were equipped with far more leverage and negotiating power than we've seen in years, you would think that they would go be off to the races and pick up as much real estate as possible. But um, convincing people about the opportunity was far more challenging than expected. And those that focused on long-term thinking and boldly went against the grain will undoubtedly see excellent returns both over the long and the short term. So I love what you said about going against the grain. And Ralph and I were talking about this, not to be poetic, but we're talking about going against the grain while we were driving in the rain to Mississauga yesterday. I was just saying how when the flock is going in one direction, and this could be about real estate, business, branding, social media, font types, anything, I want to do the exact opposite. Like it almost inspires me to do what everyone else is doing. One thing, I want to do the exact opposite. And it's just amazing how with the buyer mentality out there, it's just like everyone wants to stay with the pack. They want to go with the herd. And as soon as the market takes off, they're all going to jump back in. (laughs) They've just had this amazing window of opportunity and a lot of people neglected to see that. And it's great if they had you as their coach and their consult to move them forward and take advantage of some amazing opportunities. And I still think there will be some to come early next year, but we'll get into your predictions on that. Yeah, I definitely uh, am of the mindset that you have to lead the charge and do uh, the Kansas City Shuffle, which is a lucky number seven reference. Get up. I've had so many buyers come to me and say, No one else wants this. So something has to be wrong with it. And um, I think that yeah. And so I have to actually go through the steps with them and remind them that, listen, we've done all of our due diligence. We've triple checked everything. I think it's just people are afraid to make the first move. And um, if you can be bold enough to do it, it will surely pay dividends over the long term. And the one thing that, it's hard to really explain to them is competing with 15 people on an offer night is not really a great experience and you'll end up paying a lot more. So, you know, you better be careful for, for what you wish for, cause you might get it. And yeah. in a market like the one that we are coming out of, the opportunity wasn't so much to pick up, you know, properties 40% below their value. The opportunity was to have the time 
to do your due diligence on a property before offering and throw in conditions and be able to work a little bit of uh, magic on the negotiating side. But that's where the opportunity is. And and it's just so interesting how people would rather buy when there's 20 people offering on a property than when there's no one. It gives them those assurances, right? If other people must want it, then it must be good. Yeah. (laughs) So interesting, the psychology of it all. So Jess, what do you see as being some of the most surprising trends or events or things that happened over the past year in 2023? I think the most surprising trend for me was to see the overall resiliency of the market in the face of multiple interest rate hikes, and not to mention rates that surpass the threshold predictions of even the top economists around the world. So even though we saw prices down from the market's peak in 2021, most asset classes have actually still appreciated in the 416 area from the exact same time last year. And it was surprising for me to see the Toronto real estate market hold strong, even in the midst of a very significant inflationary time. That's a great answer. I totally agree too. I did expect a bigger correction. Me too. I really did. And I yeah. I know there's more inventory and all those things. And Ralph and I were talking about this with some other team members. There was not really big fire sales out there. And as Ralph just mentioned, mm-hmm. there was an opportunity to acquire something, to negotiate, to take your time, to have conversations. But it wasn't like you were getting a significant bite off the list price. And yeah. I sort of expected there to be a little bit of a scarier period on the valuation of real estate. And I think it's amazing and agree that the resiliency has just showcased itself. And I think we are through the darkest period of that. And we're starting yeah. to see the light already, even in the last couple of weeks, it just feels like there's just a stronger sentiment out there for buyers and a more willingness to participate in the market again. So it's really interesting. Totally. I also think that's why there was such a disconnect between buyers and sellers I think that sellers were still hoping to see these record-breaking sales that they were used to seeing even months prior. And you had buyers that had extremely low consumer confidence and all thinking that the market was continuing to slow down and decrease and then really wanting the world. And then there would be no meeting of the minds and no transactions would occur, which ultimately resulted in properties sitting on the market forever until finally you had those bold people that were like, oh, nothing is wrong with this property. It's priced at market value, but no one wants to pay market value right now. Toronto real estate just continues to be incredibly resilient. Whether you stop immigration, whether you bring a foreign buyer's ban, whether you uh, you know, increase in- increase interest rates on what's supposedly the most leveraged real estate market in the world. Um, obviously, none of those things had any real effect, given the fact that the fundamentals here are just that strong and will continue to be so in the future. And if you bet against the Toronto real estate market long term, which was what you were saying, Jess, you mm-hmm. will lose. Oh, for sure. So, complete agreement. Yeah, less about timing of the market, more about time in the market. Preach. Yeah. So speaking of bets, Jess, do you have a prediction as to what is going to be the next up and coming big hot ticket neighborhood in Toronto next year? You know, I've actually, I thought a lot about this and instinctually, I feel like the Corso Italia Earl's Court Park area is going to be the next up and comer, predominantly due to its access to transit. It's got parks, great shops and restaurants. Uh, you're also so close to areas like Yorkville, Midtown, Casaloma. 
Um, right now, this area has a ton of bang for your buck. We have had our own pool of buyer clients scoop up gorgeous detached and semi-detached homes, fully renovated, well under the 1.5 mark, which I know still sounds expensive, but it is a very big deal to acquire a property of that caliber of that caliber in the city of Toronto at that price point. And I think it's just a matter of time before more and more people with champagne taste start moving here on a beer budget and thus adding to its density and gentrification and contributing to that sense of community that's very much still there. I think that's a great prediction. Can you just give the viewerships a little bit better idea of the boundary lines for Corso Italia? Because I don't think people realize how close it really is to St. Clair and what that community looks like. The Corso Italia neighborhood is situated between St. Clair Avenue West, uh, between Westmount Avenue and Lansdowne Avenue. And if you know where Earl's Court Park is, which is just, well, it, it runs north-south through um, St. Clair and Caledonia would be the major intersection. Uh, that's pretty much the area I'm talking about. And it's uh, got the streetcar line. You are pretty close to the Up Express stop. And uh, there's a lot of young families moving there every single day, which uh, really creates a new vibrancy in the neighborhood that I've noticed. And that little area of St. Clair is actually really nice. There's some really nice restaurants and coffee shops along there. It's just And it's cute all year round. It's like Christmassy and cozy in the winter. And then in the summer, as you mentioned, there's families and people out with their strollers and people walking around and talking. And I agree. It's got a little bit of that old Toronto flavor of a community within the city. And I really think that idea or concept is really going to make a comeback in 2024 and forward on when traffic and transit and getting around the city becomes more and more challenging. People are going to try to find a network in a community within where they live, where they can pop by and have a coffee with friends and they can walk and have dinner with friends or go to their local butcher or grab, you know, their fruit and vegetables from the local market because driving from one place to another now is getting to the point where like, I need to commit to get in the car. It's going to take me two hours to run this one errand. I will be back at my computer soon, everybody. No. So I definitely love that prediction. And Ralph, I interrupted you. You're going to mention something about this. Oh, I was just going to talk about our next topic, oh. just playing on the word prediction. Mm-hmm. Um, Jess, I'm just wondering, by the way, that is a great neighborhood and something we've always been watching for the last few years. And I think it will continue to be a, an area of the city to watch. But going to the topic of predictions, what is the bigger prediction? Like, what are you seeing or predicting for 2024? What is Toronto real estate going to look like next year? Cole's notes, I think that interest rates will drop in 2024. And I think buyer activity will subsequently increase, as will inventory, with sellers having the confidence to bring their properties back to market. And with resumed competition and consumer confidence, home prices in all asset classes in the city of Toronto will ultimately increase. So if you're a buyer... Now is the time to get up off the couch and start making some moves. Yeah, get off your head Sigma app and get into action. Yeah. (laughs) And when you say increase, like, what are you thinking? Like, by this time next year, how will we look in comparison to this year? Well, if you take into consideration the fact that almost every asset class has appreciated since the same time last year in this current climate, in some cases by double-digit numbers 
I would expect significantly more increase for next year, year over year, potentially 20%. Ooh, that's <laughs> Yes. Some asset classes, but, but I mean, it's not uncommon for what we've seen in, say, 2021, right? We've seen some properties increase 15, 16, 17% year over year. So I do think that there will be an aggressive change. And I do think that when it happens, it will feel like it happened virtually overnight. Anytime we've seen market changes, it has been at the drop of a hat. And so those that are ready and able to pivot uh, will do very well. So Jess, you're th- across the board, 20% year over year? <laughs> Can I quote you on that? Uh, you know what? No, let's do it. Let's do an average of 10% year over year in all asset classes. But I do think that some asset classes will achieve the 20%, yes. And which would those be? You know what? I think that People are starting to catch on to the fact that they are not building any more freehold single-family homes in the city of Toronto. And I think that is always going to be a golden ticket for a lot of people. And I think people are going to start to identify that that window of opportunity to ever own land in the city of Toronto is closing very quickly. So I could see people being far more aggressive in that asset class to try to get their hands on a detached, semi-detached home while it is still relatively viable. So I think that will be that will be the leader. And uh, then the lowest hanging fruit condos will uh, will follow. And what challenges and what opportunities do you anticipate for the Toronto market next year? I think the real challenge for many will be trying to time the market in 2024. And as we mentioned earlier, it's not necessarily about timing the market. It's more about time in the market. Um, and as the landscapes, the landscapes rather begin to shift and change in favor from buyers to sellers, um, I think it's going to be a challenge for those who get analysis paralysis and get really bogged down in the numbers and the timelines and those that are thinking more short-term as opposed to long-term. But those that can move forward boldly and make sound decisions that will benefit them over the long-term will do well in the face of those challenges. Awesome. And if you were to give one tip to a buyer and one tip to a seller... (laughs) Okay. <laughs> what might they, might they be? For a buyer, quite simply, uh, if you have any plans to acquire property in the next 12 months, I would do everything you can to expedite the process. <laughs> yes. and do so now before interest rates decrease. Try to get ahead of that as much as possible. And if you are a seller, I would try to position yourself in a way to pivot very quickly once those market changes are being observed. Like we talked about earlier, when there is a change, it can happen so fast that you don't even have the time to prepare. So doing a lot of the heavy lifting from the onset so that when the time is right, you can move quickly and capture that audience would be a sound decision. But uh, I don't necessarily know that right now is that time. So uh, just do everything that you can to uh, be able to move quickly when the time comes. And we just did a podcast about this very thing. So those of you who are listening, 
We did like a selling staging prep for the winter so that you can be ready Mm -hmm. for the spring market so you can get a lot of that groundwork done in advance. Like start your decluttering now because everyone says they can do it in a week and it takes all of you like three months. So it takes so long. And I mean, there was a little period in 2023 when sellers were doing very well. It was in the spring. And by the time people caught on to the fact that it was another good time to sell, the time it took to prep their property, by the time it came to market, it was gone and had already happened. So I think just doing all of those little tasks now so that you're in a position to literally go to market in a day if you need to is probably going to be your best strategy for success to capitalize on a future more positive market for sellers. We actually have a seller. She's really smart. She has a condo on Davenport and she's just like, you guys just tell me when it's time but I want everything ready to go. So we have her quotes done, her walkthrough done, her declutter plan done, what we're going to do with all her artwork. We have a plan in place, like even about fixing some of her light fixtures. Like there is a plan ready to rumble. And when the time is right, she will be ready to take action. And I just really respect that patience to be able Mm -hmm. to be proactive, but then just hold back and just be like, wait, I'm waiting for the timing. So I think that's really excellent advice. So it's a really good question. I'm curious to hear your answer, Jess. If you could provide Mm -hmm. a new agent one piece of advice about getting into the business or being in the business in 2024, what would it be? I mean, to to come up with just one answer is tough, but I, I would definitely say to join a team. I have always said I could never do this business as a lone agent just because of how many hats you have to wear and how many responsibilities you have. And really, if you're being spread too thin, you're not going to be a good agent or great agent for your clients in the way that they need you to be. And if history is a guide, when interest rates come down, it will be pandemonium and you will feel like you literally don't have a second to eat, breathe, sleep, do nothing. And so if you have other team members that can support you so that you can be in multiple places at once and be more efficient with your time, um, I think that would be will be the game changer for you this year. Because even if it is a great time to be an agent and you can um, transact far more frequently than what's typical. You're not going to do a good job if you don't have the time to really focus and make everyone feel like they're getting the best level of service. And so joining a team can really help with that. There's a reason why if you look at every single neighborhood, every single market, it's the teams that dominate because one person just cannot do all this. So whether you're brand new in the business or you want to have longevity in a business Mm -hmm. that can literally spit you up whole, uh, being on a team uh, is is such an invaluable thing. And not a day goes by where I don't have gratitude for everyone uh, at Fox Marin. Yeah, me too. Okay. One last question for you and then we can wrap it up. So Jess, what are you most looking forward to in 2024? Honestly, I'm just looking forward to working with more of our awesome Fox Marin clients and referrals and people and giving more advice and being educators and being their consultants and partners through and through through this business. And we have seen that anytime there has been 
very rapid changes in the market, uh, whether it's good or bad, everyone freaks out and they really need advice and figure out what to do. So I'm really just looking forward to being sounding board for both of our past and present clients and uh, onboarding some new Fox Maronites. I love it. Awesome, awesome, (laughs) awesome, awesome, awesome. Well, I think it's fair to say Corey and I share in that as well. And uh, we also share in how happy we were to have you join us today and share your thoughts on the market. Exactly. Uh, And yeah, thank you so much, Jess. Always, always, always a pleasure to get your perspective and your ideas and your thoughts. Uh, Thank you so much for joining us. And uh, we look forward to uh, another awesome year at Fox Marin. Yes, we're going to crush 2024. We're coming for you in 2024. Yes, we are. Thanks so much, Jess. All right. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye. As we wrap up another insightful episode of the Toronto Real Estate Podcast, we thank you for joining us in uncovering the layers of the Toronto real estate scene. A special thank goes out to Jessica, Ian, Jerome, and Ruben from Foxman for their invaluable insights and predictions for 2024. If you have any questions, thoughts, or constructive comments, feel free to pop them down below. And alternatively, you can contact us anytime directly. We're super nice around these parts. Thanks again so much for tuning in. And we look forward to seeing you on the flip side of 2024. Goodbye, everybody. Thanks so much for being here. Bye. Bye.